This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. ഹാരൂനിയ ബിയ ഇബ്രാഹിം and specifically talking about the relationship of Ibrahim alayhi salam with his father the dynamic between him and his father <clears throat> and at the end of the passage the previous passage it talked about when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about blessing Ibrahim alayhi salam in spite of what occurred between him and his people and his father and his family Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa habna lahu ishaq wa yaqub we gave him as a gift ishaq and yaqub now one particular observation there is that it doesn't make any mention of Ismail alayhi salam it only makes mention of one of the sons Ishaq and then his son his grandson Yaqub but it doesn't speak about Ismail alayhi salam but the reason for that is that Ismail alayhi salam will be spoken about exclusively separately uh, in particular the other thing that's of it, of to take note here is the beginning part of the surah while it was speaking to and it was addressing the ahlul kitab the christians the jews the nasara the yahud and so it spoke about zakaria and yahya and isa and maryam and then it kind of came to the middle point where it spoke about ibrahim alayhi salam where it's merging the conversation together now it is universally addressing everyone from here on out it slowly transitions into speaking more exclusively to the mushrikun of makka to the people that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was having experiencing difficulty with and so the fact that it mentioned this haq and yaqub but it mentions them almost implicitly it mentions them within the greater discourse that is primarily focused on ibrahim it just kind of alludes to them very briefly and the fact that ismail is spoken about exclusively strengthens that 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 same fact that the surah is in the middle of a transition that the surah is transitioning from this discussion or this address to ahlul kitab over to the address to people who maybe don't accept religion in any way shape or form so this is part of that transition that's occurring here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now speaks about Musa alayhi salam. All right, so kind of continuing that transition where it's speaking about one of the 
great anbiya, one of the great prophets from Banu Israel, from that progeny of Ishaq and Yaqub and so on and so forth, um, to kind of conclude with this mention of Musa alayhi salam. But we obviously see, like unlike many of the places where Musa alayhi salam is mentioned and spoken about, like the following subsequent surah, surah, surah Taha, surah number 20, how, how much at length Musa alayhi salam is discussed. Here it's only giving you like a brief little recap about who Musa alayhi salam was. So it very briefly addresses him, and then the transition begins by going over to mentioning Ismail alayhi salam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ مُوسَى So men, remember, first of all remember. So this is that reminder to the Prophet ﷺ. Let this strengthen your resolve, let this inspire you and motivate you in the fulfillment of your mission, and your task, and your responsibility. At the same time it means re- mention, that also remind others, speak of the story of Musa ﷺ. Speak of the story of Musa ﷺ, this will help you build common ground with these people of other faiths that are around you, because many of them might hold Musa salam in high regard. Like we know that beautiful incident from the life of the Prophet salam, where on the journey, on the way back from the journey of Ta'if, where the Prophet salam finally took some rest in the gardens that belonged to uh, Utbah and Shayba and some of the leaders of Quraysh, when the Prophet literally fainted, he passed out due to uh, the, the, the amount of bleeding that he had experienced. At that time, when the Prophet kind of came back to his senses, he noticed that there was a man there kind of taking care of him, serving him. He had brought some grapes and brought some, you know, uh, some wet cloth to kind of clean him up and just take care of him, watch after him. He, had, he was a slave, a servant of the owners of the garden who had sent him go take care of Muhammad wasallam. When the Prophet saw this man, he said, Who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? He said, My, he said, my name is Addas. I'm from Nainawa. The Prophet said that. That's very interesting. Do you know Yunus bin Matta? He's referring to Yunus alayhi salam. The man says, Yeah, of course. He's one of our forefathers. He's a very revered man in our history, in our culture. We all look up to him. We look back at him. We're proud to call him one of our forefathers. The Prophet said, Me and him are brothers. Or, or rather, he asked the Prophet he goes, how would you know about Yunus? The Prophet said, he's my brother. He says, how could that be? How could he be your brother? This man lived ages ago. How could he be your brother? The Prophet said that we are both messengers of Allah. He was a prophet of God, sent to preach the true message to people, and I am similarly in the same position, and therefore we are brothers in prophethood. So, when the man, when that connection was made for the man, the man was so affected by that connection. It it hit home for him. He was able to make that tangible connection between what it meant. Otherwise, it was such an abstract idea to just say, I'm a messenger of God. But when he made that connection, the man immediately accepted Islam at the hands of the Prophet ﷺ. So this is what this is making reference to. This is what this is referring to as well. That wadhkur, that mention, fil kitabi, specifically filtered, that part of the story of Musa salam, which has been provided to you in the Qur'an, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ Musa. So mention, remember, take heed, take lesson from the story of Musa present in the Qur'an. إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا وَكَانَ رَسُولًا نَبِيًّا So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by saying, إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا That most definitely he was selected, he was devoted and dedicated. He was purified, if you will. 
It means to select someone. It means to purify something. It means to devote or dedicate something to a particular cause. So what does that exactly refer to? Because in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in surah number 38, ayah 46, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, That we have selected all the prophets, we have selected all the messengers, Specifically to remind people of the akhirah, of the hereafter. So all the prophets are selected, all the prophets are chosen, all the prophets are purified, all the prophets are dedicated and devoted to a cause. So what does that mean here? Why specifically mention it for Musa alayhi salam? All the prophets are selected. So what does it refer to here? There's two different ways to understand this. There's two understandings of this, two interpretations of this, and of course both are reflections and both are completely valid. The first one is that there was one very special significance to Musa alayhi salam. He was granted a distinct honor that was not granted to other messengers and prophets in that exact way, shape, or form. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah An-Nisa, number 164, Allah tells us, And Allah says it with emphasis, It's maf'ul mutlaq. And the purpose of the maf'ul mutlaq is emphasis. Alright? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah spoke to Musa, and very clearly, openly, directly, literally spoke to him. So that emphasis here is to emphasize the point that this is not being used in the figurative sense. Of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to all the prophets in the figurative sense. But when it says, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُسَى تَكْلِيمًا it's saying that Allah literally, directly addressed and spoke to Musa alayhi salam. And this is something we know. It's something that is common knowledge about Musa alayhi salam. Kalimullah. Alright? But the reason why that is a distinction of Musa alayhi salam, that is a distinguished characteristic trait feature of Musa alayhi salam, because in surah number 42, surah to shura, ayah 51, Allah tells us, وَمَا كَانَ لِبَشَرٍ And it is not fitting, it is not appropriate for any human being, أَنْ يُكَلِّمَهُ اللَّهُ That Allah would speak to any human being, except إِلَّا Except for in the particular formats. وَحْيًا through divine inspiration and revelation, when it would be inspired into his heart. Oh from or from behind a curtain or from behind a barrier. Oh Yursila Rasulan. Or he would send a messenger to speak on his behalf, a courier, like Jibreel alayhi salam. And then he would inspire to them through his permission, through Allah's permission, how whatsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had willed. Innahu Aliyun Hakim. Most definitely Allah is the most exalted, the constantly exalted and high, Hakim, and the constantly wise. The profoundly, infinitely wise. So uh, again, we see here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set a certain plan or a certain um, format in place in order to even communicate with the prophets. But that Musa salam was made an exception to that format. So this is what it means when it says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا That he was specifically chosen, he was selected above and beyond others, meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly spoke to him and addressed him in a fashion that was very specific to Musa salam. That's first. The second possible understanding of this is that he was devoted and dedicated. And this is something that's going to come up right here again. That he was devoted and dedicated for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So it could mean إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا لِلَّهِ He was devoted and dedicated to Allah. And there from here you can begin all the way back from the birth of Musa alayhi salam. That he's born at a time when sons, children are being slaughtered. It's mandatory. Kill the children. يُذَبِّحُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ يُذَبِّحُونَ أَبْنَاءَهُمْ They're slaughtering their sons, their kids, their children. And Musa a.s. is born at such a time and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala divinely arranges for the protection of Musa a.s. where he inspires to a woman, the mother of Musa, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَرْضِعِيهِ فَإِذَا خِفْتِ عَلَيْهِ فَأَلْقِيهِ فِي الْيَمِّ وَلَا تَخَافِي وَلَا تَحْزَنِي That we inspire divinely into the heart, the very troubled, the very... Um, tumultuous heart. At that time she was experiencing a lot of strong emotions. She feared for the safety of her child and her baby. So Allah says, we inspired within her troubled heart to the mother of Musa, an ardi'ihi, you continue to nurse and feed this child. فَإِذَا خِفْتِ عَلَيْهِ But when you are afraid for the child, when you fear for the child, فَأَلْقِيهِ فِي الْيَمِّ Then you put him into the, the, the river, the Nile River. وَلَا تَخَافِي وَلَا تَحْزَنِي And at that time, don't be afraid and don't grieve over the loss of your child. Why? إِنَّا رَادُّهُ إِلَيْكِ Because most definitely we will. Allah is promising and guaranteeing, we will return your child to you. إِنَّا رَادُّهُ إِلَيْكِ وَجَاعِلُهُ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ And we will definitely make him from amongst the messengers and the prophets. He'll be honored and dignified. You haven't thrown your child away, rather you've handed him over to us, and we'll return him back to you better than you handed him over to us. We'll return him back to you as a messenger and a prophet. And we know that how that story eventually played out. That Musa alayhi salam was not just refer, returned to the care of his mother, but he was returned to the care of his mother in a way that was sanctioned, that was ordained by the government of that time, that it initially had demanded the murder of a child like Musa. So the same king, the same government, the same system that's in place that wanted Musa murdered, because of which he was being thrown, tossed into a river inside of a, a chest or a box or a basket. Now that same system is now sanctioning, is ordaining that this woman, the mother of Musa, needs to, needs to nurse his child, take care of this child, feed this child, raise this child. And not only is this ordained or this has been commanded by that same system, but she is even being compensated for this. So we see that, that from the very beginning, we see Musa a.s. Very, being very selectively chosen, devoted and dedicated for a very specific mission from early on. Not only that, but then he is being cared for, he is being raised, he is being taken care of, financially being provided for, by the same man that wanted Musa a.s. murdered and killed. The same man. And then Musa a.s. grows up. And then we know, I've talked about this earlier as a tangent, but we talked about how Musa alayhi salam, there was that confrontation, and a man is killed. And Musa alayhi salam at that time is, is unaware of the fact that what type of discussions are going on behind closed doors, and that basically they've realized, Musa's the man who pulled this off, and Fir'aun is saying, I've had enough of him, I never wanted this kid to begin with, and now I finally have the reason that I need in order to, you know, literally kill him. So I'm coming after him now. But then what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? وَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مُؤْمِنٌ مِّنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ يَكْتُمُ إِيمَانَهُ أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيْنَاتِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranges for a believing man amongst the people of 
Fir'aun, and that this believing man not only tries to defend Musa alayhi salam in, the, in, the, in those private meetings, but then he comes over to Musa alayhi salam and leaks the information, you need to get out of Dodge. You need to skip town. You need to get out of here. Because they're coming for you. They're gunning for you. So Musa alayhi salam, again through divine protection, divine arrangement, he escapes. Not only does he escape, does he, is he exiled? Does he escape? Is he in the middle of nowhere? Is he a wafer? Is he some traveler? No, no, not at all. But rather he ends up in a very, very beautiful place like Madian. And over there Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again divinely arranges for him to be able to meet up with a man of the caliber and of the distinction which majority of the Mufassirun are in the opinion of, a man like Shu'aib alayhi salam. Shu'aib alayhi salam. So now he's being mentored by a prophet and a messenger. And Allah's arranged for his marriage to someone as noble as the daughter of a messenger. And we even see here her talking earlier in Surah Al-Qasas in that passage, the way she speaks, Alastihya. She walks with dignity and modesty and self-respect. And then the way, how intelligent she is, the way she addresses her father, says, this is a very good man, you need to hire him. He'll be very useful to you. And she's noted the qualities that he has. قَوِيٌّ amin. He's very strong, he's strong-willed, he's a strong man. And he's also amin. He's also very trustworthy. This is the type of person that you've been looking for, that you need to help you around with things. So he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranges for his mentorship through a prophet. Allah arranges for him to be married to a righteous, pious, intelligent woman. I mean, look at the level of disarrangement that is going on. It's like he's being prepared, he's being prepped, he's being arranged for, taken care of, selected from the very beginning to serve this very, very strategic role. And then of course he's selected for prophethood and messengerhood. And then the rest of that that goes on, some of the other arrangements that are made, we're going to talk about in just a second. So mukhlasan, he was selectively chosen, he was very specifically chosen, devoted and dedicated to Allah, either by through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking to him, addressing him, or through this divine arrangement of everything that miraculously precisely occurred in the life of Musa alayhi salam. And I mean subhanallah, I don't mean to linger, but when you read the story of Musa alayhi salam, it's, it, it, the constant theme of the story of Musa alayhi salam, if there was one, it's his back was always against the wall. You know, like we say as a metaphor, his back was always up against the wall. So he's got to go back into the court of Musa alayhi salam, where he's accused and wanted for a crime, back up against the wall. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of him, arranges for him there the staff and the snake. Then he's being called out to a showdown with the greatest magicians of his time. And it's being, there's, there's all this shady business going on there. Everything is rigged. The entire situation is set up. Again, back up against the wall. One man against an empire and a kingdom. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranges for him there. Then when he finally escapes with his people, now the armies behind them and the oceans in front of them back up against the wall. Again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what? فَضْرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ الْبَحْرَ Go and strike the ocean with your staff. What? Go and strike the ocean with your staff. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala arranges for him. In such miraculous fashion, never been seen before. And then when he's traveling with his people, when he has his people with him, and it's a period of tests and trials, everybody's thirsty and dying of thirst. فَضْرِبْ بِعَصَاكَ الْحَجَرِ Strike a stone with your staff. 
Again, back up against the wall, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, just tap a rock with your staff. He taps it, springs start shooting out from there. Water starts sprouting out from rocks. There's this constant theme in the story of Musa alayhi salam, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps providing for him, taking care of him. So his back is constantly up against the wall, but Allah is always there for him. إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا وَكَانَ رَسُولَ And he was also a Rasul and a Nabi. Now we talked about at length, we talked about the meaning of the word Nabi. The word Rasul, the word Rasul in the Arabic language, comes from the root of the word, which means to send a message from a higher authority. It means to send a message from a higher authority. In classical, in ancient Arabic, in the Quranic uh, language, it means to send a message from a higher authority. Alright? Now, the word Rasul is used for messengers and prophets, like messengers of Allah, because they are sent with a message from the ultimate authority. And that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is what the word Rasul literally means. The one who is sent with a message from a higher authority. And here it refers to messengers of God, messengers of Allah, because they are sent with a message, a divine message from the ultimate of authorities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there you go. However, we know that there is a difference between Nabi and Rasul. Alright? And now what is that difference? What is that distinction? There are numerous opinions on the topic and subject. I'll mention just a couple of them here. One opinion that oftentimes is, and I don't mean to mock or make fun of this, but just this is usually what you find in very, very, very basic textbooks, things that are meant for children just to let them kind of grasp or comprehend the topic or the, the understanding the difference between the terms. So like the Sunday school definition or difference between Rasul and Nabi is, Nabi is Prophet, Rasul means one that was sent with a... With a book, right. right? So that's typically what we're told. While that is an opinion, that doesn't really completely hold up. Alright, when you even make an observation of the term and how it's used in the Qur'an. A more accurate definition, and this is obvi- that, uh, that, that explanation is given obviously because it's being given to people who maybe don't have the ability to fully comprehend the more in-depth, the more academic or in-depth explanation. But the difference between Rasul and Nabi in in the opinion of many, many scholars, a lot of the scholars, is that Nabi is a prophet of Allah, divinely inspired to, selected to receive divine revelation and preach and teach to the people on behalf of Allah. But Rasul is one that is sent with a new code of law. A new code of law. So whether or not there was a formal text like a book, a kitab, which was revealed or not, like Zabur and Torah and Injil and Quran, etc., or the Suhuf of Ibrahim, right? Whether or not there was an actual formal text that was revealed or not, it nevertheless still refers to a new code of law being given, a new code of law being delivered. Some scholars have differed with this as well, though, because we do find instances where sometimes messengers or prophets, where we typically assume or understand that maybe they were carrying on the same code of law, that you know, they are still referred to as Rasul, and those that we know received a new code of law, were not referred to as Rasul, etc. So there are some scholars that say, no, that doesn't, even though for the most part, they, uh, they, if, when you apply that particular understanding, the difference, the distinction between Rasul and Nabi, 
that it's talking about those, Rasul talks about those that received a new code of law in, at, in any capacity, that definition pretty much holds up. That holds up. There is a smaller minority that though, however says, no, the distinction is, Nabi is kind of like that personal honor and distinction that was granted to prophets who were given that divine inspiration by Allah. Rasul, however, refers to the fact when they were sent on a very, very specific mission and cause, then they would be called Rasul. So as long as that they were being honored and dignified by being called Nabi, because they were being divinely inspired to, then that title applies. So it's almost like that personal distinction that Allah has communicated with this individual. He is Nabi. And then Rasul is when they are sent on a specific mission and cause. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. However, what I would like to explain is, those are the technical definitions or differences between the word Rasul and Nabi. From a technical perspective, from a terminology perspective, what I would like to explain is the difference between Nabi and Rasul from a literary linguistic perspective and how it's used in the Qur'an. Specifically, we can look at this on how it refers to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Whenever he is spoken about in the Quran, sometimes he's called Rasul, sometimes he's called Nabi. Why Rasul someplace? Why Nabi someplace? Whenever the dialogue or the discussion in a particular place emphasizes or speaks about or alludes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's dealing, his interaction with other human beings with other people, it's emphasizing him dealing with the people, the term Nabi is used for the Prophet ﷺ. Surah Tahrim, Surah number 66, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ لِمَا تُحَرِّمُ مَا حَلَّ اللَّهُ لَكَ There it's talking about him interacting and dealing with his wives. There was a little bit of an issue between him and his wives. He said, I'm not gonna eat honey anymore. There was a little bit of a situation there. And at that time, the Prophet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, why are you forbidding that which I have made permissible for you? O Muhammad wasallam." But there Allah refers to him as, Ya ayyuhan, Nabi. Nabi. Because it's talking about his dealing with his wives. When it talks about sitting down and talking to his own wives and his daughters and the women of the believers about hijab, about modesty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, suratul ahzab, surah number 33, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, قُلْ azwajika wa banatika wa nisail mu'mineen. O Prophet, O Nabi, say to your wives and your daughters and the women of the believers, يُدْنِينَ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ جَلَابِيبِهِنَّ And then the conversation continues from there. So again, because it's talking about him having to sit down and explain this, and impart this, and instill this within his wives, and his daughters, and the women of the believers, again that interaction is being emphasized, so therefore the word term Nabi is being used. Even so much so that when, it, when there was a little bit of that issue to resolve between the wives of the Prophet ﷺ and the Messenger of Allah ﷺ in Surah Al-Ahzab, and Allah refers to the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, He addresses them as, Ya Nisa'an Nabi'i. Ya Nisa'an Nabi'i. O women, O wives of the Prophet ﷺ. But when it talks about, when it addresses or when it speaks about the Prophet ﷺ, and it is emphasizing the fact that he has been sent by Allah, so it emphasizes his relationship with Allah. It's not emphasizing the interaction with the people. The bigger emphasis there, the greater emphasis there, is on his connection back to Allah. That this man is not speaking on his own behalf. This man speaks on behalf of Allah, the higher authority, the ultimate authority. There the term Rasul is used. Ya ayyuhar Rasulu, 
بَلِّغْ مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ O Messenger, O Rasul, deliver the message that has been revealed to you. Why? وَإِلَّمْ تَفْعَلْ Because if you won't, فَمَا بَلَّغْتَ رِسَالَةً If you will not try your best to deliver the message, then you have not done your job, you have not delivered the message. So again, it's that accountability of delivering the message, which relates him back to Allah, which connects him back to Allah. يَا أَيُّهَا قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الرَّسُولُ قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا Say, announce, address, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, O humanity, O mankind, Inni Rasulullahi ilaykum jami'a. I am the messenger of Allah who has been sent to all of you. Meaning, don't think that I speak out of, on my own behalf, and I'm bringing this out of my pocket. But I have been sent by Allah. Inni Rasulullahi ilaykum jami'a. So that's a little bit of a difference of how it's used within the Quran. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. So, here it says, إِنَّهُ كَانَ مُخْلَصًا وَكَانَ رَسُولًا نَبِيًا So it says, Musa السلام, was, both, was both a Rasul and a Nabi. Was both a Rasul and a Nabi. So already we notice a little bit of a difference. When referring to Ibrahim السلام, it said, إِنَّهُ كَانَ صِدِّقًا نَبِيًا صِدِّقًا نَبِيًا Here for Musa السلام, it's saying, رَسُولًا نَبِيًا رَسُولًا نَبِيًا and part of the distinction for this is again, yes, we talked about Ibrahim salam how he was tested very severely, numerous times, dozens of times. And he was always compliant, he was always ready to go, he was always sami'na wa ta'na. And that's why it emphasized him being Siddiq. Here about Musa salam, it's emphasizing being Rasul, because Musa salam, the, the, the greater challenge that Musa salam had was in interacting and dealing with the people. That he had to interact and deal with Fir'aun and his people. And then when finally he was able to find reprieve from Fir'aun and his people, then he struggled with even quote-unquote who were supposed to be his own people. Dealing with Banu Israel wasn't a work, walk in the park for Musa salam. It was very challenging, it was very difficult. I mean, the Qur'an is full of that narrative. It's full of that story. And so... Musa salam was constantly having to deal with people. People who were skeptical of what he said. People who would challenge his authority. So it emphasizes him being a Rasul. Him being a Rasul. That he wasn't just a Nabi. He wasn't just somebody that was receiving divine inspiration and teaching the people. But he was a Rasul. He was communicated to. He was specifically representing the ultimate authority. And it was a tragedy for those people that they did not see that, that they did not understand that, that they did not unequivocally, without any hesitation, they did not accept that authority of Musa alayhi salam, that he was speaking on behalf of Allah. وَكَانَ رَسُولًا نَبِيًّا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to tell us about Musa alayhi salam. He says, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ وَنَادَيْنَاهُ And we called out to him, we called out to him. We called out to him, and the word nida is used here. The word nida is used here to emphasize the fact, and this is again that Quranic corroboration. This is a very beautiful consistency within the Quran. Because when you look at the literal meaning of the word nida, it can often refer to calling out to someone, to addressing someone, speaking to someone that you cannot see. That you cannot see. Right? So, the fact that it says, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ We called out to him, 
it is emphasizing the fact that Musa could not see who was addressing him. Because we know that Musa did ask Allah for what? Rabbi, Ari, uh, he said, Andur ilayk. Andur ilayk. Oh Allah, I want to see you. I want to look at you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Lan tarani. You won't be able to see me. Rather look to the mountain, if it stays in its place, then maybe possibly in the future you might be able to see me. Finally, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did emit his nur upon the mountain, what happened to it? Dakkan. Literally became dust and ashes. Became rubble, it became nothing. وَقَرَّ مُوسَى صَعِقًا And Musa السلام, fainted, passed out. فَلَمَّا أَفَاقَ قَالَ سُبْحَانَكَ تُبْتُ إِلَيْكَ وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ When he finally came back to his senses, he, was, he came back, he woke up. He recovered, said, سبحانك, how absolutely perfect are you, Ya Rab. تُبْتُ إِلَيْكَ I seek repentance. I repent to you from, for making such a demand and a request. I submit without any questions, without any, uh, without any concern, without any hesitation. That my request to see you wasn't out of some type of a doubt that was lingering on my part. It was just that, that desire to see the beloved. It was the desire to see the beloved. So we see that that, 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 that is mentioned specifically in the Qur'an. Musa salam spoke, he was used to be addressed by Allah, but he was never able to see and look upon Allah. And so that's why very specifically the word نَادَيْنَاهُ We called out to him. Meaning in a way that he could not see. وَنَادَيْنَاهُ From where? مِنْ جَانِبِ الطُّورِ Where did we call out to him? مِنْ جَانِبِ الطُّورِ الْأَيْمَنِ Janib, Janib means the side. The side of a tur. The side of a tur. A tur is of course the mountain that it's referring to. Where Musa salam went to communicate with Allah. Al-Ayman. The right side. The right side of the mountain. Alright? I apologize if somebody sees me smiling. We have a student in the class named Ayman and he's taking the opportunity to smile at me and you know, he's relishing in the moment, mashallah. May Allah bless you and forgive you. Alright? So, Ayman. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we called out to him from the right side of the mountain Tur. Mount Tur. Now, what does that mean, right side? Two understandings, literal or more metaphorical. Literal meaning is, it was the right side of the mountain. However, and, and then over here the scholars come into a little bit of a discussion that Musa salam, this is whether this is referring to the very first time you see divine revelation, or it's talking about later on, and it turns into a very very complicated discussion that involves geography, and a lot of things, a lot of information that is not completely confirmed. That is not completely confirmed. Therefore, majority of the Mufassirun take the metaphorical meaning here. The metaphorical meaning. That, and this is very prominent within the, the Qur'an and classical Arabic. And I'll give you examples of this as well. That the right side of something, when you say something is of the right side, Ashabul Yameen, when it refers to people of Jannah, Ashabul Yameen, Ashabul Maymana. Right? It doesn't literally mean people of the right-hand side. Right? But that, that's not what's important, that whether they're standing on the right-hand right side of what? 
So that's not a question that we're supposed to ask. It's used in a metaphorical meaning here. That the right hand is representative of something being good. Saying something is of the right, something is on the right hand of something, something is of the right hand side, is representative of something being blessed, something being good. And Ashabul Yameen, people of paradise, are called the people of the right hand side. The Prophet ﷺ says, In Allah yuhibbu mayamin as-sufuf. In Allah yuhibbu mayamin as-sufuf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the right hand side of the lines in prayer. Now if we were to literally apply this hadith, we'd have a huge problem. Because you you'd walk in for prayer and the entire right hand side of the masjid would be packed and all the saf would be incomplete. People would start forming half safs. Alright? So that become problematic. So that's not what it means. It means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the good saf. Allah loves and blesses the safs that are good. The lines of prayer that are good. And what makes a line of prayer good? Number one, make it straight. Number one, make it straight. Alright? And that universally applies. Alright? Not getting into any deep fiqh issues. But it's often been an observation. It's having been an imam, these things are brought to your attention constantly. That a lot of times there's not real... On the brother's side, it's not observed very well. And on the sister's side, it's somehow seen as maybe that's, they're the exception to the rule. Nevertheless, not gonna get into the whole discussion of, you know, not gonna get into the whole discussion. Alright? <laughs> Alright? But nevertheless, self needs to be straight. The straightness of the self is something that is emphasized. The Prophet ﷺ would do it ala rumhin. He would literally take his, he would take his spear and he would straighten the self. Hold it up to the chest of people. Like hold it like this sideways to see if like the spear is straight. If people's chests were lined up, they were standing straight. He would sometimes take a spear and just draw that little line in the sand in the ground. Make sure you're lined up straight. And there's that beautiful story about that one time when a man was kind of standing forward and the process of poked him with the spear and said, move back. And the man said, ah, you hit me. That ain't right. Right? So the Prophet wasallam said, alright, sure, that's not right. So he said, now I get to hit you back. So the Prophet said, that's only fair. So he said, here you go. He says, no, you know, his chest was a little uncovered, it was open. So the Prophet was wrapped with a shawl around him, like you often would, his rida. So he said, your chest is covered. So the Prophet, he said that, no, it's got to be the same, equal, equal, you know how it works. So the Prophet removed the rida, exposed his chest, and he said, go ahead. And then the man hugged the Prophet So anyways, but, so self's got to be straight, and that's what it refers to. So when the Prophet says the right hand, the right hand side of the line, it doesn't literally mean the right side of the line. I keep saying this and everyone's like, what's he talking about? That's not the right side of the masjid. That's the right hand side for me right now, okay? But it's the right hand side of the self. That's not what it literally means. It means the good self, the blessed self, which is the one that is straight, the one that has individuals standing in it who are focused and concentrated in the prayer. The one that is made up of people, that is put together of people who have khushur in their salah. That is the good stuff. So, that's what it refers to here. Min janibi turil ayman. That is, was the blessed. He, he, that when we called out to him on the side of the mountain of Tur, and this was a very blessed place. This was a very blessed place. 
min janib layman. And we see here this that even about the time when he received divine revelation, we see there too Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, Inna bilwadil muqaddasi tuwa. You are in a blessed valley. So it's talking about the because anywhere where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala communicates to someone is obviously a blessed place. Not just a blessed occasion, but a blessed place. So Allah says, وَنَادَيْنَاهُ مِنْ جَانِبِ تُورِ الْأَيْمَنِ وَقَرَّبَنَاهُ نَجِيًا وَقَرَّبَنَاهُ And we brought him very, very close. We drew him very close. We brought him. We pulled him very, very close. This is from taqrib. This is like an evolved or an exaggerated form of the verb. And so there's not just the meaning of it being transitive, that we brought him closer, but it also has hyperbole, mubalagha built into it, that we brought him very, very close. We drew him very, very close. But why did we draw him so close? Why did we bring him so close? Najiyan. Najiyan. This word najiyan, comes from the same root as munajat. Naja yunaji munajat. Which basically means to very... Intimately, secretly, very intimately, secretly to confide in someone, to converse with someone, to intimately, privately, secretly, personally, to confide and speak to someone. And therefore the najiyun is a confidant. Naji is a confidant, najiyun. Somebody that you confide in. Somebody that you take into a private little corner and you speak to them privately and secretively and personally. That is najiyun. So we drew him very, very close as a confidant. As a confidant. And this is reaffirming that same thing that I addressed earlier in Mukhlasan. وَكَلَمَ Allah Musa تَكْلِيمًا Allah spoke to Musa like he didn't speak to anyone else. So use that confidant of Allah. وَقَرَّبْنَاهُ najiyan. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ayah number 53, He says, وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ مِنْ رَحْمَتِنَا And we gifted to Musa, we gifted to him. This is that same word being used again of gifting something. Here it's not being used in the meaning of giving a child. I told you it's pre- predominantly, primarily used when speaking about giving a child. But it can also be used when bestowing any other major gift. A, a gift that is of the level of giving a child. The reason why it's used for giving a child is not specific to children, but it's used for giving a child because children are such an enormous blessing of Allah, such a profound gift from Allah, such a great gift from Allah. Similarly, it's being used here because again, here it's going to be talking about giving, bestowing a very huge gift. وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ مِنْ رَحْمَتِنَا And we gifted to him from our mercy. From our mercy. And I'll talk about this term from our mercy after I explain the next part. What was the gift that we gave to him, to Musa, from our mercy, Allah says? Akhahu Harun Nabiyan. His brother Harun as a prophet. We gifted his brother Harun prophethood from our mercy, is how it translates out. Now, what, does that, what, what is that referring to? So we know that in surah number 20, the next surah, surah Taha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about sending Musa alayhi salam out on this mission and this message, and how Musa alayhi salam was obviously feeling very nervous going forward. And at that time, Musa alayhi salam, 
requested Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for certain things. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for certain blessings. One of them was that Allah, Musa alayhi salam said, Rabbi shrahli sadri. Rabbi shrahli sadri. That oh Allah, expand, open, clarify my heart. Give me conviction, give me strength. Give me the clarity of heart that I will need, that I will require in order to do this job that you have bestowed upon me. وَيَسِلِّي amri. Make my task easy for me because it's not going to be a very easy task. It's difficult, it sounds difficult. So make it easy for me. وَحْلُ الْعُقَدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي And open the knots from my tongue. Allow me to speak freely and eloquently and properly. And then there's that whole discussion whether he means this more figuratively, which could also apply. And he meant it literally because he had a stuttering issue or problem. وَيَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي So that they may understand what I'm saying. They can understand me. Properly understand me. Really get the point that I'm trying to make. وَجَعَلِّي وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي So he's asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a few things here. And now he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for another thing. He says, وَجَعَلِّي وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي And make for me a supporter. Wazir. A supporter. Somebody that I can rely upon. Like, you know, formal translation is an aid. An aid. Alright, but like what we would call, how young, young people would understand, he's like asking, I need somebody, a go-to guy. I need a right-hand man. I need a sidekick. I need somebody that I can depend upon, somebody that I can rely upon. وَجَعَلِي وَزِيرًا مِنْ أَهْلِي For my family. Somebody I know, somebody I trust. Who is that? Harun Aqi. My brother Harun. أُشْدُدْ بِهِ azri. That's strengthened. Now, now, something interesting happens here. He asked for all those blessings, expand my chest and my heart, give me clarity of mind and thought. Alright? Make my task easy. Open the knot from my tongue. They can understand what I'm saying. And then make my, make, give me an aid from my family, my brother Harun. Okay? He asked for a bunch of things. But when he asked for his brother Harun as an aid, he specifically is asking for Prophethood. Waziran. I want him to have that same position, that same responsibility, that same task. So, but he realizes that this, what I'm asking for now, is asking for so much more than everything else I've asked for. So now he elaborates. He explains himself. You know, when you're asking for a huge favor, you explain yourself. azri. Strengthen my back. And azr refers to the lower back. bihi azri. Strengthen my back through him. Meaning he'll, be, he'll support me, he'll allow me to lift and carry this huge task and responsibility that you've given to me. bihi azri. And you see the eloquence of the Qur'an, lower back. When you lift something, what do you need? It's the lower back. So bihi azri. Wa ashriku fi amri. And share him in my task, in my... In my issue, in my affair. Meaning, give, make him a prophet. And then he goes on to justify it. He justifies it. That oh Allah, I'm not just asking this just so I have like a posse, I got somebody to talk to or somebody to roll with. No, no. So that we can glorify you excessively, abundantly. Meaning, we'll do our job. We'll remember you. Excessively, abundantly, 
إِنَّكَ bina basiran. And then when you're asking somebody for a huge favor, and you've explained why you need the favor, and you make a promise that no, no, we'll stick to the job, I, I won't abuse this. If you, if you give me what I'm asking for, I won't abuse it. And then you even tell them that, hey, listen, if you see me messing around with it at all, then you're free to take it back. He says, إِنَّكَ كُنْتَ بِنَا بَصِيرًا Allah, you're watching us. So if you see us not living up to the task, you do what you have to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and then the, the scholars explain, because of the magnitude of the blessing that Musa alayhi salam is asking for, look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Allah is generous, kareem. He gives, He's very noble, very generous, very giving. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants Musa alayhi salam to understand the magnitude of the blessing. And we are being made to also understand the magnitude of this blessing. قَالَ Allah said, قَدْ أُوْتِيْتَ سُؤْلَكَ يَا مُوسَى You've been given your request, your request has been accepted. وَلَقَدْ مَنَنَّا عَلَيْكَ مَرَّةً أُخْرَى I will bless you, I have blessed you favors at other times as well. That, may, that I'm giving you this blessing, and this is me blessing you one more time. When you know when you tell somebody, alright, I'm going to go ahead and do this for you again. You're letting them know, hey guy, you keep asking for favors. Allah, Allah is saying, وَلَقَدْ مَنَنَّا عَلَيْكَ مَرَّةً أُخْرَى We're blessing you one more time, again, another time. Think about that. إِذْ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّكَ مَا يُوحَى Remember, we're the ones that are inspired to your mother, what was inspired to her. Meaning everything your mom did, knew to put you in a basket and float you out into the river, she didn't just know how to do that. We're the one that told her to do that. Allah says, "Aniqdi fihi fi tabut that she should put the child into this casket. Faqdi fihi fil yami and then put the casket into the river. Falyulqihi al yamu bisahil the river will bring it ashore. Yaqudhu aduulli wa aduulla that my enemy and that child's enemy will end up taking this child. Walqaytu alika mahabbatan minni." And I had put my love upon you, from me. Meaning that you were, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the blessings upon Musa alayhi salam was, when people just looked at him, people just couldn't help but just fall in love with him. Just, just wanted to, just they liked him. They wanted to listen to him. That's why when the wife of Fir'aun picks him up, she just, I gotta keep this baby. She takes him to Fir'aun who is not inclined at all. Who is not inclined at all, but even then he's not able to refuse the request because it's just, you can't look and say no. It's a face you couldn't say no to. وَالْقَيْتُ عَلَيْكَ مَحَبَّةً مِّنِّي وَلِتُصْنَعَ عَلَىٰ عَيْنِي And you might be brought up before my eyes. إِذْ تَمْشِي أُخْتُكَ فَتَقُولُ هَلَا دُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ مَنْ يَكْفُلُ Your sister was following the casket all along. And she says, should I tell you somebody that can care for this child very well? فَرَجَعْنَاكَ إِلَىٰ أُمِّكَ Then we returned you back to your mom. كَيْ تَقَرَّ عَيْنُهَا So that she would also be pleased and she would find peace and tranquility. وَلَا تَحْزَنَ And she would not grieve over the loss of her child. وَقَتَلْتَ نَفْسًا and you had killed somebody, Musa. وَفَتَنَّاكَ فُتُونًا And we saved you from any type of difficulty and adversity. فَلَبِثَّ سِنِينَ فِي أَهْلِ مَدْيَنَ And then you lived out there in luxury and peace and tranquility amongst the good people of Madian. ثُمَّ جِئْتَ عَلَىٰ قَدْرٍ يَا مُوسَى And you returned back with the position of great dignity and honor, O Musa. 
So what's And he says finally, O Musa, I have selected you for myself. Meaning, you're supposed to be doing what I'm asking you to do. Don't forget that. And then he says, Idhab anta wa akhuka bi ayati wa la taniya fi dhikri. And now you and your brother go. Request granted. Request fulfilled. You and your brother go. Wa la taniya fi dhikri. But do not be neglectful of my remembrance. Idhaba ila fir'auna innahu tagha. Now both of you go to Fir'aun. Because he's, he's lost his head. Alright? That entire conversation is very interesting. It mentions all those things we know from the story of Musa. But the tone is what's important. Allah is mentioning it in the tone of saying, I did this for you, and then I did that for you, and I did this for you, and that for you, and that for you, and that for you. I've done so much for you, Musa. Now you're asking for something as huge as this, to make your brother a prophet, I'll give you this. But I want you to remember, what a huge favor this is. I never want you to neglect. I never want you to abuse. I never want you to be neglectful of this responsibility. And the magnitude of this blessing and the responsibility that comes with it. The lesson here is that prophethood is such a blessing. Prophethood is such a blessing. What can we learn from this? What we learn from this is a couple of things. First of all, it is book, mentioned in the books of Hadith that the Prophet ﷺ says in a narration that the dua of my ummah, dua ummati, the dua of my ummah, yustajabu ka ibn Israel. The dua, the supplication of the people of my ummah is accepted like the supplications of the prophets of Banu Israel. That, that we're supposed to feel the sense of this magnitude of that responsibility, being given that position to be able to communicate with Allah so intimately, so intimately, privately, individually communicate with Allah, that that was something that was granted to the prophets of the past. And so he's being told, Musa, I'm gonna give the same blessing to your brother Harun, but don't you ever forget what a huge blessing this is. I did everything else and I never mentioned it twice. This blessing, this is huge. I want you to realize. I want you to realize the magnitude of this blessing. The reflection for us through the words of the Prophet ﷺ is, we have been granted, we have been given that same means of supplicating, of praying to Allah, that those prophets used to be given. So never underestimate this blessing. Realize the magnitude of this blessing. This surah started off by talking about dua. And so we're kind of coming back to that same lesson. Realize the magnitude of the blessing that we call dua. And we, we really don't take full opportunity of this dua. Pray for yourself. And implement this lesson immediately. First opportunity you get. When you pray Salat al-Isha, make dua for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for humanity. Pray for the ummah. Pray for the guidance of mankind. Make dua for your needs. Make dua for your emotional struggles. Pray. Make dua. You have been given a direct channel of communication. How can that be ignored? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, أَخَاهُ هَارُونَ نَبِيًّا أَخَاهُ هَارُونَ نَبِيًّا So that is the magnitude of the blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning here. Now, I wanted to talk about 
There's, there's another point in mentioning Harun as a Nabi as well, and that is obviously a refutation upon some of the people who slandered Harun salam, like I mentioned previously. The ones that slandered Harun salam, then it's obviously refuting them, it's, it's rebuking them, letting them know Harun was a Nabi, a divinely ordained prophet, and so it's not appropriate to say such things about him. The other thing I wanted to comment on was that word, Mirrahmatina, from our mercy. So Harun was made a prophet, a Nabi, and this was from our mercy. That only the mercy of Allah is that force and is that power that is great enough to grant someone prophethood. Such a blessing, I just spoke about the magnitude of this blessing. This is, can only be achieved through the mercy and the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the last thing like I mentioned previously about Ibrahim alayhi salam, it says, min, min rahmatina, from our mercy. That even such a huge blessing like this, bringing Musa alayhi salam closer to him, making Musa salam the confidant, speaking to Musa salam like he's never spoken to any other human being. And then making Musa salam's brother Harun a prophet, simply based on the request from Musa salam. All of these blessings, as huge as they seem, are just, are, do not even amount to, do not even equate to, a drop from the ocean of what we call the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how huge and profound and great and limitless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy is. Even such huge blessings are not even a drop in the ocean of the mercy of Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the ability to practice everything we've said and heard. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nasaghfiruka wa natubu